Welcome to the Over It Mom podcast, where you get to listen to some wholesome, messy, uncomfortable, controversial, fun, good, and bad topics of motherhood. Because let's face it, sometimes as moms, we're just over it all. So tune in and I'll talk to you soon. Hi, you guys. Welcome back to Mom to Wife Plus Life. And I have Tamara Houston on with me today as our featured guest. And she is an amazing woman. I'll just let her introduce herself. So, Tamara, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. So, um, as she said, I'm Tamara Houston, and I'm from Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, I am, uh, let's see, I'm an entrepreneur. I have a mental health practice here in Greenville that serves the entire upstate of South Carolina. Um, I'm married of 14 years. I have three children, pretty spaced out, 20, 10, and 5. And um, we'll see. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> and on this one, I'm a mom, I'm a wife. So that's, that's kind of like my life encapsulated into one. But, you know, yes. we can talk about the specifics of that. Yes. So... From my understanding from our previous conversation when I kind of interviewed you, and most of my guests know I do this, um, you were a single mom at one point. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, like, the hardship and what you've had to kind of, like, overcome? You know, just, like, you know, the struggles. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I... Um Actually, I became pregnant when I was in high school. It was my senior year in high school. And um, I guess, you know, the main thing is, I guess the, the first struggle is I was just really naive, to be quite honest with you. It's not like I didn't know about, um, you know, having protected sex or abstinence and all of that good stuff, because I did. Um, but I was just, I guess, in a place in my life where I was making grown-up decisions, so um, I had to deal with some very grown-up consequences. Um, I guess for me, the probably the thing I guess that worked in my favor is that I've, I have always been a planner in terms of my education. Um, I shared with you when we spoke before that I started like looking at colleges and stuff when I was in the ninth or tenth grade. So I knew that that was going to be part of my plan. Of course, once I became pregnant and was <laughs> it was kind of like, okay, so how am I going to work this out? Um, and I, I had family support, um, but it wasn't, um, I guess, a situation where I felt like I wanted to leave my child at home in order for me to go off and, and pursue college. Um, I think I would have had the opportunity to do that if, if that's what I chose. But again, I felt like I made my bed, so I needed to lie in it. Um, so I ended up um, choosing a school. I applied to several schools um, and got accepted to several schools. But of course, just looking at the financial situation, how I was just going to manage as far as just money-wise, because I would get financial assistance for school, but not necessarily for my off-campus living expenses. So um, I wasn't really sure how all of that worked in terms of applying for social service assistance and all of that. So um, I ended up, uh, my counselor at that time mentioned um, a school in Kentucky, it's Berea College in Kentucky, and she mentioned the school to me at that time. Um, they would have uh, a car to with some weekend, and they would just take a busload of students up to the school to check out the school for a weekend. I want to say it would normally be like a homecoming weekend or something, so I um, went up to the school, big belly and all, <laughs> from having my child, but I went and checked out the school. It was a really good opportunity. I ended up um, meeting one of my lifelong friends there, and um, she too had uh, been a single parent and was in school. Um, the wonderful thing about Berea College is they had um, some kind of like a um, Initiative is the word that keeps coming up, but I think just a, um, a commitment to non-traditional students. Um, 
And whether that be if you are a single parent, if you are married, if you are an older student, um, but having, you know, some things in, in, in place uh, like housing that will be able to assist you to be able to take care of your family and still continue on with um, higher education. So I was very blessed in, in that respect. I, the school had um, family housing. They had several different uh, family housing situations, but the apartment complex is where I lived. And they had a couple of houses, kind of like the same housing that they use for like dormitories. Yeah. Um, they had some, some housing available uh, for non-traditional students, mainly that would be for like the single parents. Um, but I was lucky. I had a two bedroom apartment. It was pretty spacious. It was <laughs> you know, furnished and everything. So I, I felt really blessed to, to have that opportunity. Um, but again, that was my first time like traveling outside of the state like mm-hmm. um by myself and with a child so i ended up let me see my son was three months at the time and some i, I remember that day some things happened and even leading up to that um my grandmother ended up in the hospital that week and that was kind of crazy so I, in my mind i'm like okay i'm not going <laughs> <laughs> like i'm not going um but she was like, no, you got, you know, you got to make it happen. And um, so that happened. And then some things happened with a family member that was supposed to be taking me there, like in with the U-Haul and all that stuff. So that fell through. So I ended up driving to Berea, um, which is, like I said, in Kentucky from South Carolina. Um, we ended up le- leaving later. So it was nighttime before I left. I got there some hours in the morning. Um just me and my baby. So, you know, I, I tell him all the time his first trip <laughs> out, of, out of uh South Carolina was to Kentucky and he he doesn't remember but um uh, that is something that I always think back to that um I guess things that I face now that I think, okay, maybe I'm second guessing myself or thinking this is impossible for me to accomplish. Like I think back to that yeah. experience with him and driving because I thought, man, yeah. how to do this? Um, you were very I, determined. And oh, yes. Had, <laughs> yeah, I had $42 to my name. Um, and I, you know, remember getting there. I'm like, okay, I got to drop the, uh, the U-Haul off, make sure I got gas. Yeah. That. I, I can't even remember how I worked that out. <laughs> and it was, um, another student there that was a non-traditional student. I remember her dad was there with her and her brother, and they really just kind of took me and my son in and, like, make sure we had food for a couple of weeks and the whole nine. So, I mean, we, we managed, but I'll say it definitely was not uh, without support. So I don't want to, you know, try to create that narrative that, um, yes, I – I did it. I have accomplished a lot, but it has definitely been with with the help of different people that have been placed in my life all along the way. So I'm very grateful for that. Yes. Like, I was a young mom. Well, not like high school, but let's just say 21. <laughs> I was an adult, but I was, yeah, I was still young and dumb, but still. Um <laughs> I I will say having the support and then having the non-support really makes a difference because I basically had both at the same time. Like I had a supportive family, but I also had the, the also the non-supportive side where it was just like, you know, anything that you did was like, you had to make sure you paid it back or you had to make sure you were grateful for it. And it, you know, it just created a really stressful pregnancy, but I totally understand um, what it's like being a young single mom and really having nothing, but still being determined to do your best. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And there were definitely, I think some experiences there. I think just because I think the the, the school overall had a commitment. Mm Mm-hmm. The single parents doesn't mean that everybody there did. There definitely was a couple of my professors that had something to say about it, like in class openly. Um, I remember having a, a specific conversation with my um, advisor at the time who pretty much said to me, like, you know, if you really believe in what you're doing, then you will drop out of school and go back home and take care of your child. And I'm like, yeah, I can do that. Go, go home and do what 
like, what, what is it that you expect me to do? Like, I'm in the best place that I can be right now. And I'm doing the best that I can with the resources that I have. Yep. Um, but, you know, then again, people come from different backgrounds and have different influences. So for, for me, I'm like, okay, if I'm hopping in a van, driving somewhere I've never driven before by myself with a three-month-old child, there's no way in the world I'm getting ready to turn around yeah. and go back home. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yep. But, yeah. You know. But those are the things, the, those conversations, I guess, like the naysayers, that's kind of actually what, what keeps me going to this day because there's always going to be those situations. There's somebody out there rooting for you to succeed, and there's plenty of people out there rooting for you to fail. Yep. Um, and so I like to kind of rephrase that a little bit and use that as my motivation. Yep. There's, like, I think I read something on Facebook the other day. It was like, your biggest audience is the ones that are rooting for you to fail. <laughs> and the ones that are rooting for you to succeed are always quiet. You know, they're watching from the, the peers. You know, they're not really saying nothing, but they're still, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you always have, like, you know, the hardships. And um, being a single mom is not easy, you guys. It's it's one of the most difficult things ever, even being adult and being young. <laughs> It's still really hard because you really just don't have a sense of like, yeah, you did the deed and you did what you did, but you just, it hits you hard. You're like, whoa. It does. And I think, you know, a situation or conversations I think that I would think back to is some of the students on campus may look at the students saying off campus like, oh, Y'all got it going on. Like, you got an apartment. You got, mm-hmm. like, you can have a nope. meal. Like, you don't have to <laughs> go to food service and stuff. And I'm, you know, thinking, like, but I have a whole other person that I have to yep. take care of. Your you know freedom I mean? is gone so, for a little bit. You don't get to do what you want to do. You don't, you, you. Not, mm-hmm. not, <laughs> but, yeah, it's um, hard times, nothing to be glorified at all. I would not dare say that because it, it is difficult. One of the, most difficult things I've ever endured. However, I am grateful for the experience. Being, you know, go, going through that, I think I, I was chosen for that. If it had to happen to somebody, like it was, it was me. I learned a lot about myself, um, and just had to dig deep. You know, in ways that I, I don't think I would have done otherwise. Yeah, it so, shaped you uh, basically as oh, a person. Yeah, for sure. So. Yeah, and it shaped you for the good. It's not for the bad. So, <laughs> so for moms, because you are a mom and you are a wife now. Um, so you have you said you have three little ones, and well, not little ones, but you have three children. And um, <laughs> how is it like running a business and um, with three kids, especially, you know, just having barriers in your way. I, I want to touch on that a little bit because we did touch on like being a single mom and hardships because technically, if you really think about it, as much as you don't want to say it was a barrier, it it really was because you have to oh, overcome that obstacle. So how yeah. would you say to moms and wives out there who are in the predicament of starting up a business or wanting to start up a business but are facing the hardship that, you know, like us, I guess everyday people are facing. So, <laughs> I would say first, um, gee, so many things. But <laughs> one one thing I think is to to really pace yourself. Meaning, you know, you can have the vision. I mean, every year I'm I'm doing like a vision board or mm-hmm. something of things that I want to accomplish, and I don't always accomplish those things on on that list, but. Um, I do, and I think I I, I got this later <laughs> in my journey. I didn't get that get that in the beginning because I've always been like just a go getter, like and, and almost kind of like waiting for somebody to tell me no so I can prove them wrong and probably prove something to myself too. That having a child so young wasn't mm-hmm. going to you know be that burden wasn't going to be the obstacle that kept me from from doing things so. Not to minimize my accomplishments, but I am realistic in the fact that had I not had a child at a young age, perhaps 
I would have been further along in terms of just education and my career goals and, and stuff like that. So one of the things I had to do, one, was pace myself. And two, even though I recognize the, the burden that comes along with just being a parent, period, mm-hmm. that I cannot use that as, a, as an excuse because that, come, that comes across and translates to your children as they're keeping you from doing things, <laughs> you know what I mean, <laughs> from, from your life, I suppose. And that is definitely um, not the message that we want to send to our children. I mean, they are enhancements, I think, to our lives. They, they make us better, yeah. you know, so definitely don't want to don't, don't push that message at all. But I think, um, again, pacing yourself. Also, um, having um, a, a plan. I talked about the vision board, but having a plan that I think you can, you're willing to share that plan or your ideas with maybe like one or two trusted people. I think sometimes we make the mistake of asking everybody, <laughs> all our friends and, and family, their opinion about what we're going to do um, business-wise or you know, um, personal, and we don't need a whole lot of extra chatter, I yeah. think, but having like one or two people in your life that can be like your accountability partners that's saying, you know, hey, that sounds like a really good idea, perhaps even connecting you with some resources or maybe saying, well, have you really thought about that? Like, that sounds like a great idea, but have you thought about how it's going to, you know, impact you in this way in terms of other resources that you can't get back because we only have 24 hours in a day. Now, I do want to touch on that because I've actually had, and I kind of want to say this because it just popped in my head, but like, when you're when you decide to share your plan with your friends or your accountability partner, mm-hmm. make sure it's somebody that you actually trust their opinion, not someone just to tell it to, but actually <laughs> no for real <laughs> to actually trust their opinion because like I don't know I've like this is just my resolution and my vision board, but I really got rid of all of my negative friends and all of my negative people <laughs> this year. I'm leaving them behind yeah. once the clock ticks. But I've made the mistake of telling my plan to somebody. And then you do, I'm usually having to second guess myself. Like, is this right. really even a good idea? Do I even want to go through with this? And really, they're really rooting for you to fail so that they can, yeah. you know, say, I told you so. So make sure when you have that accountability partner that it's actually someone that wants to see you grow and that wants right. to see you, you know, thrive and you know, all of that. I just want to give that disclaimer. That's all. <laughs> I appreciate that. And, and to that point, I think this is just where discernment comes in. Mm-hmm. Is um, you just, you, you need to know. <laughs> you know <laughs> and, and make wise choices about, like you said, who you are sharing your your plan with. And if there's, um, you know, somebody in your life that just off the cuff, even if not even talking about anything, you know, all that big in terms of life plans or whatever, you're just kind of hanging out and they're just toxic. If they're bringing that type of energy into your life, then definitely that's not somebody that you want to share your future plans with um, because they may be rooting you on for, you know, the purpose. <laughs> so let you go ahead and get started so I can watch you fall mm-hmm. in, 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 in your efforts. So, for sure. I mean, you are absolutely right about that. It's using discernment and who you are sharing with. And so, I mean, for, for me personally, um, I have a lot of associates, but I'm really careful about who I call my friend. Yep. Um, and that's just, that comes with maturity. You know, it's not, if everybody is not your friend. I think we, we use that word very loosely, but the truth is we, probably honestly have more associates than we do friends and these are people yeah we can be in the same room we can we can share some things with we can even collaborate on some things with each other but at the end of the day I think my my friends are those that is you know something is popping off you know (laughs) they call me like I'm I'm going to be there and vice versa Yep. That's those are the people that I can, you know, consider my friends. And and even amongst those friends, depending upon their life experiences, that 
also plays a part in who I share certain things with. Um, I think, you know, amongst your friends, you can have, if, if part of your plan is you're talking about being in a more committed relationship, then you're looking more toward those friends that are in committed relationships or have had the, those type of experiences so that they can share something that may be valuable to you. Even if their experiences aren't, didn't work out so well, mm-hmm. they could probably give you some advice about well, what not to do and, and perhaps some things to look out for, you know, or ways to just improve yourself as a, as a partner in a relationship. So I think even... In, in all of our circles of influence, we have to use discernment and, and who we share and who we allow to be close to us. Um, because, you know, everybody is just is not meant to be in the inner circle. And I, I strongly believe that. And I, I oh, think yes. sometimes how we stretch ourselves too thin because we're trying to be everything for everybody that we call a friend. And there's no reciprocity in those relationships. Exactly. So we're giving but we're not getting a lot. Yep. Like, what is it? A friend, like people come into your life for different seasons. So just keep that in mind. So just because this person's here for right now does not mean they're meant to be there forever. Forever, right. <laughs> <laughs> just a, like, you know, spring clean. Come on, people. <laughs> that is right. I, I mean, that's what I had to do this year is like go through my friends and kind of spring clean it, you know, and mm-hmm. it hurt me a little bit because I, I was like kind of torn. But, you know, at the same time, if I'm going to grow, especially with my podcast and with my business, I I need to surround myself around those types of people. Right. Like <laughs> I can't surround myself around people that don't do that. So. Yes. <laughs> and I think when you're setting boundaries, it's not a it's it is not always an easy thing. I think it depends on what you're setting boundaries around. But I mean, typically we're people that we do care, you know, have some type of emotion about things, about relationships, even if it's negative, you know, we do have some feeling about it. <laughs> so I think even, you know, going through the process of setting boundaries, you have to understand that there's going to be some, um, um, it, it's a transition for you, emotional transition. And it's a transition for other people as well, because that tells people where, um, where they start and stop. Mm-hmm. And, and most times people don't, don't really appreciate your boundaries because they forget that they have the opportunity to set their own boundaries as well. Like it works both ways. I can set boundaries and you can set boundaries too. Like we both got some. Yep. <laughs> That's the thing. Like we, we both have this. I mean, a friendship is like a relationship. You got to set those boundaries. <laughs> so yeah, it, it works both ways. So yeah, I, I, I think especially when it's um, people that you care about that, yeah, even though you recognize that, mm, this may not be somebody that I want to take into the future with me. You know, I'm sad that this relationship has to change. It has to be different. Yeah. I think that's reasonable. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a little mini break here and then we'll be right back. You guys. All right, you guys, we are back. So we are going to dive into a little bit more about business and family life and all that good stuff. <laughs> so yeah. you have a business um, and I know you started off as a, a mobile practice or? Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you started yeah. off as a mobile practice. Can you tell them what you actually do, your practice and all of that? <laughs> okay. So I am a clinical social worker and um, the clinical part allows me to um, practice psychotherapy. So um, my group practice provides mental health services to the community. We see um, individuals and families. Uh, the practice is right now, I have four practitioners and a parenting coach. So I'm really <clears throat> excited about the growth that has happened over the past couple of years. Um, and really how, how it's set up is um, – the practice is renewal life counseling. That is, I call it the house. And each person in the house has a, um, a specialty and or have a couple of specialties. But we all have a generalist uh, focus, which means that we all can 
you know, deal with the issues of anxiety, depression, some of the more common issues, I think, that comes into practice. But then we have those really specific things that we like to work with, um, like substance abuse and trauma, um, uh, bipolar disorder. So um, we all just kind of hone in on, on those particular specialties. And so it really makes for... Um, very fun environment to work in. <laughs> we see a lot. Uh, we are very blessed to be able to offer a couple of different groups. Uh, we have a, um, actually this year I'll be starting a stress management group and um, a trauma group working with women. So I'm excited about getting that off the ground. And then we have a, uh, what would you call it? Um, kind of like an empowerment group for women. It's about six to eight weeks. I think typically the first two rounds it was six weeks, and then over the summertime she'll break it up into like four four weeks because people are traveling. Um, and then we also have a adolescent um, like group, and it's a, a really it's a, just a one day workshop. But the plan is to hopefully grow that into a retreat. And um, so the provider that is um, heading that up, she does a really great job just working with, with children. I see children as well, but I, I would say that's probably more of her specialty. <laughs> um, but just because she, she sees more than I do, but um, she really loves working with adolescent girls. So um, that's something we have going on. Um, we do a lot of grief and bereavement work, uh, a good bit of couples work. Um so yeah, we, we have a lot a lot going on with that EAP employee. I, I say that like people know what that is, but it's an employment uh, employee assistant. So if you have a job as an employee, your employer may offer employee assistance benefits, which may include um, some brief solution focused services. So it's in other words, kind of like counseling, but it is brief solution focused, meaning that you're going to only get a few sessions and it is um, assessment and referral. So you're basically just working with a practitioner like myself to kind of look at what the issues um, that you're dealing with, maybe a couple of tips to just kind of cope with those very briefly, and then what would be the next level of care for you? Like, should you be referred on to see a counselor? Um, for some more sessions um, through your insurance or, again, you know, a, some type of support group or something like that. But those services are free, and they are confidential, so there's no charge to the employee um, for those particular services. We also do uh, critical incident work. So if there is some type of disruptive event on a job, um, if it's a death, a robbery, a fire, all of which I've been called out on, I'll go to the organization and support the staff and, and just trying to maneuver through the event that just happened and provide some immediate resources <clears throat> for them. And oftentimes that is tied to EAP because we'll talk a lot about the EAP services that are, that are available to the employees there. Um, and then we do a lot of speaking engagements in the community. That is really, um, I think, a passion for all of us, something that we are um, – wanting to do more of this coming year. So really excited about that. Um, we go to churches. We work with um, some after-school programs. We offer a lot of free kind of one-day um, parenting sessions in our office. Uh, we, we actually provide a lot of free stuff. <laughs> 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 I think about that, like, um, we do um, – Given hour, I think I mentioned that to you before. Yes. So that is affiliated with um, military servicemen and women, um, just dedicated to providing an hour of service, whether that could be counseling or some some other service in the community focused on military servicemen and women. We do that for an hour. Um, let me see. I think I mentioned about military one source as well. So that is a I call it kind of like the EAP for military. <laughs> so you do have um, you do have the insurance that is available to military servicemen and women, but you also have military one source, which is where they are typically provided about twelve sessions. Again, this is for free. Um, you don't have to deal with the insurance or anything, and you're 
match up with someone in the community. So we are providers for that as well. So um, we, we cover a lot across the gamut. I'm constantly looking for, you know, new people to bring on to the team so that we can provide different types of services. So that's really my vision nice. for the group. I, I love it. I love yeah. it all. Um, I just want to touch on a couple of things. Um, yep. So given our, so as most of you guys know, I am a caregiver to my husband mm-hmm. and I've had to call like, um, I've called military one source to get the, the resource for a given hour. So given hour is really pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really is. Um, especially if you're like a wife who is, you know, to a veteran or anything like that, or, you know, a spouse of a veteran, and you just don't know how to deal with day-to-day functions and day-to-day life, and you're just stressed out to the max because, listen, I have been there, okay? (laughs) And it is a good resource to have because you can literally call and just kind of vent and talk and feel better. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and it's confidential, too, so your husband or your spouse will never know And it just helps you, like, process because they're there to help you and to kind of sort out your emotions and to kind of, I don't want to say put you in check, but also make you realize their point of view as well. Um, Military One Source is amazing as well. They're just a good resource in general for everything military-related. So I suggest that you guys, if Given an hour doesn't really work for you guys, hit up Military One Resource or Military One Source because um, they will provide you with the necessary tools. I remember I called, and this is not like mental health related, but I remember I was calling around to see if we could get financial assistance to help us move to Arkansas from Vegas. And I remember calling the VA, I remember calling all these veteran places and basically we were getting the door shut in our face all the time so no 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 or we can't help you or we don't do that or and it was just kind of discouraging so um, my husband is in active duty and most of the time the military one source kind of only deals with active duty mostly but they you know they help out their veterans but um, I called and they gave me like every resource in the book (laughs) they are amazing so if you guys need those resources, I'll put them in the link below. Um, I'm pretty sure if you want to contact Tamara, you can do that as well. She'll give you the resources as well. And then also um, the a- EAP. So I've actually had contact with this for the very first time ever. I didn't even know this was a thing until it happened to me like a couple weeks ago. Um, so I don't think I mentioned this to you, but... I had recently just quit my job. At, I was working at a gas station, and uh-huh. they had didn't offer me critical assistance right away for the EAP, but it was about like two or three days later where they were like, oh, you're going to come back to work? And I was like, uh, no, <laughs> not right now. <laughs> um, but um, the place, I can laugh about it now because it's kind of funny. The, like, it just all happened, but... Um, the place got was attempted was an attempted robbery, and Uh I was there, (laughs) and um, it was really sad because it was a teenage boy, and he eventually died like ten fifteen minutes later down the street. Um, so for me having that traumatic experience and being the only person there overnight. My job did not offer that to me until, like, a couple days later. (laughs) So I just want to say, if that's something that you guys have um, at your job, if you're a working mom or a working person, I would check into that because that was something I never knew existed. (laughs) And it's kind of nice to know that going forward I can, you know, look at a job and go, okay, is this kind of a dangerous job? Is something's going to happen here? Is there assistance available for me if something does happen traumatically um so that's just something i want to touch on those little three things <laughs> oh no that's, that's awesome i 
would definitely uh, agree with everything that you just said. It, it, especially, I mean, all the services, they're free. Yes. And, you know, something that I don't understand with just EAP across the board, um, the last research I read on it, it was like it's only utilized by maybe 2 to 3% of employees in the study that I read. And, I mean, if you think about the workforce and how many people, you know, are in the workforce, mm-hmm. um, it's like, well, geez, that's, that's you know, well, see, a lot of people don't, what my employer didn't know is because I literally had to call another store to ask what I should do. Yeah. <laughs> and she told me to talk to my manager about it. And there she's going to check for corporate to see if there's a resource or something. So she knew. So I don't think it's necessarily um, that they don't use it. I just don't think like um, management knows about it. <laughs> they they are not informed that this is a service that they can offer to their employees if something traumatic was to happen. Because like I said, it was a couple days later and I was actually supposed to show up to my shift again. <laughs> and then he was like, oh, here's a number you can call. And I was like, great, thanks. <laughs> you know, like I... <laughs> some, some people that, that know about it, their concern is about the confidentiality because it is affiliated with their job mm-hmm. that um you know just the idea that oh somebody is going to find out but literally i mean we you know as as practitioners we have a code of ethics that we have to abide by now there are situations where there may be a mandatory referral and if there's a mandatory referral for one you'll know because it will come <laughs> from you know, your supervisor or management so it, you know, that's not a, a thing. And even in those situations, um, there's not a lot of communication about what actually is taking place in the therapy session. It's more of an assessment as to whether or not you can um, continue on in the particular job that, that you're in, that basically that you are men- mentally fit to be able to do so. And so those are, you know, some of the type of assessments that are done, but typically, it is a self-referral. You know, your supervisor may mention it to you or not, mm-hmm. um, but you can self-refer. You call in, um, and I would even, you know, recommend to, um, you know, future clients to really, you know, take uh, control of the situation. Get on, you know, some resources like a psychology today. You can look up providers by a zip code to see what people look like, you see what type of issues they deal with. Um, so, because sometimes you may just get a list and it's like, okay, well, here's a list of people in your zip code, call somebody out the list. Well, you give me a list, I may just start going down the list, yep. <laughs> you know, just talk more about them, but you can actually just go onto a resource like a psychology today and see if you can find, um, a particular provider off of there that, that is included on your list so that you can make sure that it's somebody that, you know, that you feel like maybe you can have a good connection with, a good rapport with before you actually start making phone calls. So, yeah, so just, you know, use the, take a little bit more initiative and, and do some work on that end. Yeah. But if, the other thing is if you, if you are connected with somebody that you don't like, you can always go somewhere else. So, yes, <laughs> I've learned that through therapy. Like, if I do not like my therapist, I will literally yeah. request a new one. <laughs> no shame. Uh, yeah, yeah. I actually just told my friend that the other day I was like because he was having an issue with like his therapist not really being professional and I said we'll uh, just switch <laughs> get a new one <laughs> you know like, <laughs> I mean I didn't want to say it like that but I basically did and I was like get a new one and he was like well I don't know I like this one but I'm like, well, if she's being unprofessional, if there's something that's irking you every time you go into that office, it's not a good fit. It's just not. So (laughs) you have to find your good fit. You have to be able to go in there, like, just completely blank, like a blank slate and just kind of, you know, talk about your stuff without having any distractions. So once it becomes a distraction, it's probably a good time to start looking for another one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you guys have some good advice. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if you took it, but we'll see. (laughs) Um, So I have a quick question. So as like a social worker, 
does it change your outlook on like like on like teenagers and kids these days and parents and just the way things are going with mothers and you know women or you know I don't know how I'm supposed to word this (laughs) but (laughs) I had it but then I lost it um so before you actually became a social worker um that's my question is before you came a social before a social worker and then after you became a social worker has your mind shift shifted between like the way you think about women and children and the way like all this is going in our society today or is it just you know it is what it is (laughs) absolutely um i think it would um i mean i I, honestly like learning what what i've learned over the years and even um up to just recently um working on a a new certification dealing with trauma is like it it really puts things into perspective for me i mean you see just uh, just contemporary times just things are different and i'm um i'm in my 30s almost 40 but things are different (laughs) when i think about my childhood (laughs) and how you know just i i grew up and how families were and how you know, kids were and friends, you know, just those different relationships is there. There's many more distractions these days. There's um, more information out there in regards to just mental health issues and concerns across the board. And there's also a lot of um, misinformation about those same topics. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess in, in general, I look at things like from a couple of different perspectives, but one, I believe people do what they know. And so it helps me to understand behavior, like generationally, how you can see a particular behavior happen in one generation and then, you know, their children and then their grandchildren and so forth and so on. Like how, how does that continue to happen? And I mean, the simple answer for me is people do what they know. If that's what I saw, then what else, you know, what what other other influence do I have to compare that to? Now, nowadays we have TV, children have every device in the book, you know, and so there's some, there's other influences that are, that are coming into play as well and I can see that just in in my own children being 20 to 5 like I can see a difference you know in in just information that they have they have access to and so it does change um me personally my my parenting a little bit and um just how I approach some some situations because I know that perhaps where with my son the most of those influences came from the people that were around him, like in his household mm-hmm. where my 10 and five year old, like they're coming home talking about stuff. I know I have never said anything to them about, or my husband has never said anything to them about, but they're coming home, like asking me, well, what's this? And when I'm like, y'all on the floor. <laughs> you know? so I'm like, well, wait a minute, you know, and the, some of the experiences, experiences that children are having at a very young age like the things that they're being exposed to we as you know parents as adults like we gotta we gotta be on top of the game because there are things like we can't wait you know for something to happen for us to for you know our child to see something on television and have a conversation with them about these things we have to start taking more of an initiative to just say, you know, maybe you have, or have you heard anything about this? Well, if, if you haven't, let, let me let you, you know, let me give you a little bit of information just so that they're not going out into the world and getting all of this misinformation. And then that, that becomes a part of who they are because they are influenced by those things. Yep. Um, and, you know, this is not really, I mean, and, you know, no um, shame or hate on a parent who parents from this way, but the old adage of like do do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I just don't think that that's something that that works anymore. Like, yes, we we 
the bar. We set the standard. We we help to determine behavior. We help to just mold who they are, every every part of them. And so if we don't do better as adults, then I'm not really sure what we think is, is going to happen or what is happening <laughs> with this current generation because it's different. Oh, it's, just, it's so it's different. 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 Oh, my God. It's so different. <laughs> and so I think I think the challenge is more so on the adults. And, and instead of saying, oh, kids these days. Well, kids these days, we are given a lot more freedom. I, I know that these children have a lot more freedoms than I had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, yes. When I do a comparison, I'm like, look, these kids are out here doing it. I mean, they are, they have access to a lot of information and to a lot of things and people um, that we did not have access to. And, and some for the good. I mean, every time I, I don't know, open up, so you know, social media or something on Facebook, I, I can't open up Facebook without seeing some posts about a child, boys and girls, um, and adults too. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and um, being brought into this this sex trafficking. Yes. Uh, so, you know, so it is. It there's a lot going on that we just need to. Um, we we need to be more cautious about the things that we allow into our homes. The even people. So we're back to discernment. Even people that we allow in our homes and around our children. Um, because they definitely have an influence on on our kids, and these days it it doesn't take much. I mean, a trend will uh, tomorrow. It could be the thing to start wearing bubblegum earrings or something, and everybody gonna have them. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just that, that it, it it doesn't take long for something to be the fad nowadays. So yes. yeah, we we have to do better. So the the start of that is yes. <laughs> we're definitely. Um, more aware than I think I that I think I ever would have been, and really looking at people from a holistic standpoint that we are not just physical beings, and um, that anger is sometimes a secondary emotion. So you know, just because that's what I may see in a child, or that may be what I see in a parent, doesn't mean that that's what really is going on with them. There's something deeper than that. And as a clinician, that's what I work hard to do first to educate them about that that there's there could be something else going on here because if anger is universal like i don't you know i think you can travel about anywhere and know when somebody is angry because there's certain behavior that you're going to look for right mm-hmm. but if i'm saying if i'm not necessarily crying i suppose then you won't know that if i don't tell you if i'm envious you won't know that if i don't tell you but that anger has a lot of energy to it, and it's what people can see. And we do a lot with that. We hit things. We curse people out. We, you know, act in a rage. We do a lot of different things. So as a clinician, I'm really um, focused on helping people to understand what that is, what this emotional roller coaster is, first of all. Like, let's, let's figure that out first. And then let's start digging deeper, because I think that really gets to the crux of a lot of the things that we're dealing with these days in, you know, working with our children and parents and parenting. That's a lot of what we're doing. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a little mini break and then we'll be back with some fun, interesting questions. All right, you guys, we are back. Sorry about that little commercial break, but we are back. So this is the time where I usually ask my guests three fun facts about themselves. So, would you are you willing to share three fun facts about yourself? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I know I just put you on the spot, but <laughs> um, I just tell you three fun facts, or you want to ask me specific? You questions? can you can tell me three random fun facts about yourself. Um, three random fun facts about myself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. I don't know why this is coming live right now, but okay. So one of the things that I, that I am really loving these days are these tickles called snaps. And, oh my god! You know what I'm talking about? Yes. So, and I was first introduced to snaps in space, and they sell them 
I like the bacon thing though. Like that's that's different. body did not like me. <laughs> yeah, I struggled. I, I definitely struggled at the beginning, but now, you know, I have my cravings for, like, steak every once in a while, but then, like, when I see it or I smell it, I'm like, mm, um. I don't, you know. Yeah. So, what about you? What are three fun facts about you? Uh, let's see. Three fun facts about me. I'm pretty sure by the time this podcast is over like the whole series <laughs> everybody will know all my information but it's okay <laughs> um three fun facts about me um number one i cannot eat filled foods <laughs> so like jelly donuts my husband makes fun of me all the time because i like he likes moon pies and like the little zebra cakes and i cannot eat them unless i break them apart first <laughs> and then i have to eat it I can't just bite into it and <laughs> eat it like that. I can't do it. I can't. It just no. Like I, I hate Twinkies for that reason because I just can't. Mm-mm. <laughs> so you can eat it, but you have to break it apart. I have to break it apart. Like, yeah, it's a little. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> it's really sad. My husband makes fun of me all the time. He says like I have OCD with food because like. Not only that, I'm just chiming to this because I feel like I should just get it out there um, uh-huh. before my husband comes on here and tells it. <laughs> um, so I also eat my french fries two at a time and they have to be the right size. They have to like match up with each other. <laughs> okay, so that's weird. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so it's just a food thing, you guys. I don't know. It's just, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, another... Fun fact about me is I hate wearing makeup, but I do it for some odd reason all the time. I'm like, I put it on, I'm like, ugh, and I just want to immediately wipe it off, but I I hate wearing makeup. I really do. I I hate it. (laughs) 
I don't know if it's because I can't do it right or it's just, it just, I don't know. It's just, it's not for me. I don't know why. It takes too much time. I don't know. It's just not my thing. My <laughs> really beautiful with makeup on that I think I look like a clown so and, and it may be that that I just I've never really learned how to put on makeup that's, so. what, that's how I feel I feel like it's it's either I'm taking way too long and I don't know how to put it on right or there's a combination of one or the other like I, I don't know what's happening like I just but I try I really do <laughs> um let's see another fun fact about me is Oh man, I I have a love for Greek mythology. That is like my oh. thing. Yes, so I love like I love it all. I can tell you everything about it. It's so sad. And my husband's like, "You're weird," <laughs> but I love Greek mythology. I remember when I was learning about it in high school. That was, I I really dreaded the subject. The, the more and more I learned about it, I was like, oh my god, this is really really interesting. And ever since then, I kind of like followed it. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> this is interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember some Greek mythology from college. <laughs> yeah. Not, not from college, from um, high school. I remember I read books. I can't even remember now, but that's <laughs> Uh, Zeus and Medusa. Mm-hmm. Is it? Yep. So, yeah. Those are my little three fun facts about me. Um, you guys will learn more about it as the podcast episodes go on. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think I loved having you on, and I'm so excited for you to come on and talk about your life, talk about your career, and. Just have a good, fun conversation with me, and I yeah. love every moment of it. <laughs> well, as usual, we dived into the hard topics, and we dived into some hard truths, and we also had fun doing it. Um, so if you want to see Tamara, or if you want to follow her, her link will be down in the description. And if you guys want her back on, please let me know so I can schedule that. <laughs> and um, do you have anything else to say, some final words or anything? Um, no, I just I want to thank you for the opportunity to being uh, to be on the podcast and to share. Um, this was my first podcast. Yes, um, her first podcast, you guys. So thank you for the opportunity. All the way in California, right? Are you in you're in California? No, I'm in Arkansas now. Oh, yeah. Arkansas. Yes. I, I have discovered biscuits and gravy, and it's my favorite thing. So, yes. <laughs> you on my feet now. We on the same Well, my husband tried to get me into it back in Vegas, and I was just kind of looked at him like, this is weird. <laughs> and we went to this cafe here. I know I, I'm, I'm trying to end the podcast, but I'm going off on a tangent, you guys. This is what I do. Um, <laughs> um I we went to a restaurant and I just remember I didn't want anything else on the menu. I just wanted biscuits and gravy. <laughs> oh, so I am fully here now, yes. <laughs> well, you are officially a country girl. Yes. I feel like I belong here, but I, I don't I'm not fully there yet. I'm not a resident. I haven't been here for three years according to the laws of calling yourself an official. So <laughs> But yes. Side note, you guys, sorry about that. But <laughs> um, I loved having her on, and I hope to um, have you back on again. And I'm so okay. glad that this was your first podcast. And can you just give me a little feedback on how did you enjoy it? Did, did you want to do it again? I mean, like, <laughs> I didn't scare you off, did I? <laughs> this has been this has been fun. I, of course, I love to talk about my work. I love to talk about anything mental health. I don't like to talk about myself that much. So this it that was interesting. It kinda <laughs> took me out of myself a little bit, but hey, it's I, I can do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was nice. I really enjoyed hearing about your life and you know, um I talk about me all the time on here, so it's nice to have somebody else <laughs> talk about themselves. Well, you guys, this is coming to a close, and 
this is like my fourth time trying to end this podcast episode, but yes, it's okay. <laughs> this is what we do. Um, thank you again, and I hope to record with you again in the future. And thank you guys for all your, you know, likes and comments. And make sure you guys like and subscribe to the podcast. And make sure you comment below if you have any questions for her, if you want her back on, anything like that. All right, you guys, have Bye. a good time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>